happy Monday and welcome to You Uplifted Beautiful Souls. My name is Safa. I am your host and I am an intuitive healer as well as women's health and wellness life coach and I've got quite the treat in store for you today. If you are a first-time listener, You Uplifted is a podcast where we explore all kinds of healing practices and techniques, and we go deep into our heart of hearts so that we can find new ways in which to grow and fully step into our true potential and power. And well, today's guest is going to highlight one more of those techniques for us. Her name is Krista Gowan, and she is a certified TR e-provider as well as a yoga instructor and a mother and today we talked about exactly what TRE is and how it can serve us as well as awareness and learning to befriend our bodies and so much more. I really think you're going to love this episode but let me tell you a little bit more about my guest before we get rolling. Krista's coaching practice helps to empower other mothers in a journey of breaking free from inherent family trauma. Coming to this work out of necessity, she's seen the incredible impact of healing trauma in all directions of your family tree. As a natural teacher, Krista works to educate, support, and inspire people who are ready for radical change in their lives with methods that deliver results. She believes that self-love, compassion, and grace are the core elements of healing and all start with a foundation of self-awareness. Ready for a wonderful show? Here we go. Here is my guest, Krista. Well, welcome, Krista. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. I've been looking forward to this all week. Yes, I have too. <laughs> well, would you give us a little bit about yourself? Just tell us who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your passion so that the listeners can get to know you a bit. Sure. So my name is Krista Gowan, and I have a trauma coaching practice called Inside Out Healing. And I'm a certified TRE provider. TRE is a bad name for uh, tension and trauma releasing exercises. Uh, and I'm also a yoga instructor. And I put these things together to help empower people to break free from trauma and release stuck physical held stuff that's going on in their body and feel better. And I'm so passionate about this work. I came to it out of necessity. So I needed these things in my own life. And once I discovered TRE, it totally changed my life. It changed the direction of my life. It improved the quality of my life. And once I started, I knew I couldn't stop. And I knew that I needed to study this and become a practitioner so that I could help share this with other people because Anyone who's dealt with crippling anxiety and suffered from panic attacks the way that I have, you know when you finally make it through that, that you don't want anyone else to ever have to suffer in that same way. And so that's really motivated me to pursue being able to help other people so that they don't have to suffer like I did. 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I, I love everything about that because I've always been a firm believer as a yoga teacher myself that information gets stored in the body without us even knowing. So I resonated so deeply as soon as I got to know you and we got to talk a little bit. And also for the listeners, if you haven't already listened to episode eight with Jen Angela, because we barely, well, not barely, but we touch on this a little bit as well. But would you mind giving us a little bit more about how it is that we end up storing information in terms of like emotional, mental, um, all of that in the body and how it can present itself to us in our day-to-day lives. Sure. So the thing is, is that a lot, so much of the way that we process things and process experiences in our life are subconscious. And so they end up getting stored in our bodies when we aren't able to sort of complete a stress response pattern, right? And so our bodies have this innate ability to be able to have a stressful event happen to us, have our nervous system become activated, and then also to have a completion of that with our nervous system becoming deactivated, right? Our bodies are wired to be able to do that. And what often ends up happening in the world that we live in, in the society and the cultural conditioning that we end up with, is that we interrupt that process. And so we are very good at being activated and we're really not very good at practicing and allowing space for that deactivation to occur. And what ends up happening is that when our bodies get activated, when we have these fight or flight responses in our in ourselves, right? So you, we've all experienced that, right? It's like the pounding heart, the racing thoughts, the sweaty hands. That's all produced in your body by stress hormones, right? And these chemicals that are flooding your body, getting ready to act on that stressful event. And when we don't act on those stressful events, right? When you're stuck in traffic and somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden your heart's racing, you don't go fight that person, right? Ideally, you're not going and fighting, but those hormones are still racing through your body. And so you have a way to be able to deactivate. And what happens is that we interrupt that process. And when we do, those things start becoming trapped in our physical body. And it's all subconscious, right? We're not typically aware of it. And what can happen is over time, that starts to accumulate. And eventually that's the kind of thing that turns into chronic pain. It turns into chronic anxiety. It turns into insomnia, Right. And so that's why, and that's what was happening in my life. And that's why I was in such horrible shape like I was, because I wasn't allowing this process to finish and complete. And that's where the TRE piece that came into my life totally changed things because it allows for that deactivation to occur. And then I've, you know, I've also incorporated other practices to help with that so that now I don't feel that way. And that's what we all have the capacity to be able to do. We just sometimes need a little help and guidance getting there. I think a lot of the time, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But I, I resonate so deeply with that because I came across that in my own yoga practice, sort of face to face, you know. And again, if anybody's listening or has listened to episode eight, you've heard me say this before. So sorry for the uh, the repeat, (laughs) but essentially, I I found it really interesting because I'd shown up to class one day and we were doing very deep hip opening work. And I remember I went to class and I was so excited and jovial and just like really happy and everything. And 
my teacher's putting us through the paces, right? We're going very deep into the hips and all of a sudden we land in this pigeon pose, which to me felt like it lasted, I swear, a millennium. (laughs) (laughs) And she walks by and she asks, are you okay? And I just started crying. But like, I mean, when I say crying, I mean like ugly, sobbing, snot down my face, like crying and I couldn't figure out what's going on. But I could hear her say that that was normal and that a lot of times when we moved into certain poses, emotion that had been stored in the body and information that had been stored in the body would show up and that particularly the hips could store a lot of um, heartbreak and anger. Well, I was baffled. I, I couldn't fully understand how this was like a thing that could happen, but I knew the reason I was crying though. Because even though it was a new experience for me, the pain, the point of pain was very easily accessible in terms of I knew what trauma or what core wound was bringing that emotion about. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I love what you're saying because I've felt it and I've seen it. And it's very often what I refer to as as clearing out the cobwebs or shaking off the dust. And the example I always give is imagine that you're at home cleaning and you're feeling, you know, maybe like you don't want to finish cleaning that day. And so you pick up a corner of the rug in your living room and you put all the dust underneath the rug and you put the the carpet bag and of course you think it's gone forever but then like a couple of hours or days or whatever later someone comes in kicks the rug and all of that flies (laughs) all over the place right so it's not fully clean and I think a lot of that is what you're saying is I believe perhaps we're not not allowing ourselves to process through things again maybe not consciously but when the process doesn't happen that proverbial dust settles in and then something comes along and it's like this huge explosion. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing is that we, so to go back to your story for a moment, I think it's really interesting that you did pinpoint, like you knew exactly what was causing those tears. Mm -hmm. And that was very clear to you, the connection between a memory or an experience that you'd had in your life and that experience on the mat of crying. And that happens a lot. I I hear that and I see that with clients. But what's also really interesting is that we often don't know. We often have no idea where those ugly tears are coming from when we have this release, right? And crying is actually a form, excuse me, is a form of release. Mm -hmm. But what's so great about doing this work and when you start to allow yourself the space to deactivate and sort of clear out those cobwebs you don't always have to relive them, right? Like, like you said, sometimes that happens and sometimes you know, but what's so beautiful about these practices and this method that I use is that it doesn't require a reliving of the traumatic experience in order to be impactful and helpful. It still cleans out your body, right? To go with our metaphor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you don't have to relive it, which is, is so nice if you've experienced, uh, you know, really you know, there's trauma is so multi-layered. And the other thing about this too, is that so much of what we experience, you might not label as trauma, right? It can just be the sort of chronic stress. And this again, comes back to sort of the world that we live in and, and modern society, right? It's stressful. Okay. So here's an example of something that it shouldn't be stressful. And it's just one of those things that for me just drives me, just drives me nuts. Right. 
I was setting up some recording equipment and I had so many wires. There were just all of these wires and I was Mm. trying to figure out which wire went to which thing. And it was just this tangled mess. And I was like, I just got, I found myself like getting into this anxious place of being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to stop and realize what was happening. And it's just so funny because these aren't, you know, that's not a trauma, but those little stresses throughout the day are like, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. And when we don't allow, again, time for that decompression, then when we do end up on our yoga mats in a deep pose like pigeon, sometimes that's what comes out in those ugly cries, right? And sometimes you're aware of it and sometimes you're not, but we all have things that happen to us that we need to be able to work through. And when we don't, it's bad. And when we can, it's, it's such a beautiful... It's such a beautiful experience to be able to give that gift to ourselves. Absolutely. And the accumulation of things, because you're right, it is death by like a thousand cuts, especially if we just are carrying all of this tension for whatever reason. You know, me as an empath and as, as an HSP as well, I have a tendency to fall into overwhelm quickly if I allow myself to become oversaturated and just over everything. But it is, I think for me, a matter of presence. What I like that you are bringing up, though, is that you're saying that when you're doing the work with TRE and everything, that you don't always find the release by re-experiencing. Because there are times where I think by trying to heal a wound, we sometimes put ourselves in exactly the same situation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes that actually could potentially cause more harm than good in terms of just you're reliving and you're kind of replacing yourself in that point. And if you're not working with someone who is really able to guide you through and who's going to be able to hold that safe space for you and guide you through it, that that could potentially sort of re-traumatize yourself. And I say that as someone who has been re-traumatized. So um, yeah, just your thoughts on that. Oh, I mean, you're absolutely correct. I mean, you just said it. Like it's very, it, it's very easy to re-traumatize yourself if you approach this in that way. And, and sort of Anything that requires you to relive it is, I don't think it's going to be as effective as things that don't because there is that risk of re-traumatization. And the thing is, is that, again, the way that this lands in your body is in the subconscious place, right? And the reason that I say that and the reason that that's an important distinction to make from your conscious mind is because your conscious mind is where you can put words to memories, right? Where you can label things, where you can talk about them. And if the, if the issue and the trauma is being stored sort of below that, right? Deeper in your brain, if you will, mm-hmm. talking about it doesn't actually get at the problem of where it's stored. Does that make sense? And yeah. so this was actually my experience. So what happened for me is that I... Like I said in in the beginning, I dealt with anxiety. I mean, I can remember feeling anxious when I was and having a panic attack for the first time when I was 12 years old. So I've been dealing with this for a long time. And it took me a really it it took a long time for me to realize that I got to this place where I was like, I don't have anything left to talk about. I'm still feeling anxious. I'm still having panic attacks. My quality of life is still bad. But I've done all of the sort of traditional top-down approaches mm-hmm. where I've talked about the problem and I've, I've made some changes and I've done the, you know, the, um, 
the cognitive behavioral therapy modalities and it would help a little bit, but it wouldn't give me any kind of lasting relief. And I think that's true when you have to relive your trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Is that it's not giving you lasting relief. And it got to the point for me where I started thinking about it and I was like, it's not in my head. It's the problem isn't in my mind anymore. And it finally led me to this place of, well, if it's not in your mind, it's in your body. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I started listening. I started having this sort of gut feeling and this whisper from my intuition to say, you need to work with your body. It's trapped in your body. The symptoms that you're having are physical. So you need to move your physical self. And that's when TRE came into my life. TRE is a physical practice. So it's a, it's a series of physical exercises we do to get this natural shaking and stress deactivation uh, part of your nervous system going. Mm-hmm. And when I found that, that's what made the difference, right? And again, it's your body doesn't have memory that you can put with words. It's, it's the emotions that are trapped in your hips, right? The, the things that you don't have named experiences for that we can tap into and allow to release without having to get back into reliving them. Yeah. No. And I love, wow, there's, I'm just kind of letting that sink in because I love the fact that you said that you could feel that and that that was coming from a place of intuitive knowing that was saying, Hey, you need to get into your body and move and kind of shake things off, shake the dust, all of that. Because that to me is one of the big points in all of this is because knowing what is going on with our bodies and knowing that our bodies themselves are not working against us is so crucial. And at the same time, I know that that sense of spanda, right, that we talk about in yoga is something that you can relate to very deeply. So can you get into that for a little bit? And then after we talk about that for a moment, I definitely want to ask you some more detailed questions about TRE. Sure. So you are speaking my language. (laughs) I, um, I think one of the best self-care practices that anyone can do a foundational piece and it ties into self-awareness, which I think is a component of dynamic self-care is understanding your nervous system, right? So I say nervous system literacy is something that I wish everyone was well-versed in Mm -hmm. because you can start to realize that the way that you are reacting to situations is as they're supposed to be, and that your body is not the enemy. And that when you can start to realize that, realize why you might be responding a particular way, you can actually then start to cultivate compassion for yourself in your responses and in your behaviors. Not to excuse your behavior, but to start to learn from it, again, to create this compassion and this softness and kindness towards yourself so that you can change how you might approach that same situation the next time. I just think that's so important for everyone, for people dealing with chronic stress, for people dealing with a traumatic past, to be able to start to to befriend yourself is such a powerful, powerful component of healing. So I I love that you brought that up. Um, And to speak a little bit about Spanda, it's funny that you say that because I actually incorporate that into uh, a workshop that I teach because Spanda is all about this like pulsation of universal life-giving energy, right? It's this natural, you could see my hands right now. I talk with my hands. It's like this back and forth flowing and pulsating 
energy, right? So think about if you've seen like a jelly, you know, uh, videos of jellyfish in the ocean, the way that they, they bob and float, right? So that's sort of what I think of when I think of Sponda. It's this idea of, you know, that put to life. And the reality is, is that that's how we're designed to operate as well. Life is about contraction and expansion and contraction and expansion in a, in a healthy, well-regulated regu- nervous system, those are fluid movements back and forth. And back to the point that we made earlier, trauma can really stymie that beautiful fluidity. It can jam up that divine dance, if you will, so that you become stuck in a pattern of habitual contraction. And when we start to move the body intentionally, we can blow a little a little air back on that fire to allow that dance of flames within ourselves, right? And it just, it brings us back to life and brings us back to wholeness and brings us back to a place of just balanced health and vibrancy. Mm, God, I love that. Yep. Because everything in the universe moves and exists in terms of light, vibration, and energy. And so, yep, we are speaking each other's language for sure. (laughs) So now that we're getting a little deeper into that, what can you tell me a little bit about working in TRE? What does that look like? What could a person sort of experience or expect from working with you? Yeah, sure. So a little bit about what TRE is. I mentioned this, but it's so it's a physical practice, right? So it's a series of um, exercises that we do. And because I'm a yoga teacher, I see things through the lens of yoga, right? That's my sort of worldview is a, mm-hmm. that lens. And so I use uh, some modified yoga postures and we move through those. And then we get down on the floor and we initiate a natural shaking, or in the TRE world, we call it tremoring, Mm -hmm. vibrational response into the body, right? So it's a lot of um, psoas muscle work. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is we basically, we, we allow for this spanda to occur. So we sort of give the body the right conditions of fatigue in certain muscle groups in the body to be able to allow that innate wisdom that exists to present itself. And sometimes it's shy at first, right? Because again, we've been conditioned not to do these things. So it's a part of our deactivation response and it's shaking, okay? And it's a shaking that we, everyone has probably experienced or seen before. And oftentimes, it's something that we learn to associate with bad, um, as being bad, right? So it's shaking. Negative, yeah. Sure. Yeah, thank you. That's the word, negative. Um, so if you've ever been pulled over by the police and your hands are shaking or you're getting up to speak in public and that's not your thing and you're shaking, if you've seen your dog shaking when there's thunder or fireworks, that shaking is actually not a bad thing. That shaking is actually your body's way of discharging and using those stress hormones that are in your body. And so what we can do with TRE is we can activate that in a safe and controlled environment to allow that shaking to start, to, like I said, to breathe that spanda back into your life. Mm-hmm. and allow for some opening and some expansion in your body. And so we, when you work 
with a practitioner, like when I work with clients one-on-one, we, we do those exercises, we do the shaking. We also do self-regulation practices, right? This is where the yoga um, comes in for me because yoga is a lot about self-regulation and awareness of yourself. Yeah. And that allows you a capacity to be able to deal with the things that come up as you start to shake a little bit. And it's one of the reasons why we recommend, we being the the TRE community, recommend working with a practitioner is because like Mm -hmm. you said earlier, you can re-traumatize yourself even with these things where you're not reliving Mm -hmm. your memories. But you want, when you're working with a system that's been frozen and shut down and contracted for so long, like so many of us experience in our lives, you want to move slowly and carefully and with intention and with mindfulness and with a and while building this capacity for regulation and those are all things that you get out of working with a practitioner someone like myself or others and eventually this becomes just a part of your self-care practice is to give a little shake and work stuff out of your body and i'm i'm telling you since i started my practice it's been over 5 years now and i've not had a single panic attack since in mm-hmm. fact, one of the most important realizations I had in the beginning of my tremoring practice was I had this like aha moment where I realized that every panic attack that I've ever had, and I'm talking like taken to the ER level panic attacks, okay? I realized that every single one I've ever had was tremoring in my body that was suppressed and that I didn't know what to do to allow that deactivation to occur on its own. And my thinking brain interrupted it and it became panic and it Mm -hmm. became anxiety and overwhelm. And it turned into these, the physical symptoms of a panic attack. And when I realized that it was, it literally was like my whole life, like before and after. And I haven't had a panic attack since. And I have in the last five years of my life have tested that. Like I have gone through all the things in the last five years that you might possibly go through to (laughs) cause any one person to have a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I still haven't had one because that's how powerful this stuff is. Wow. That's my very long-winded answer for your question. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I mean, you can, yeah, you can carry on. (laughs) No, I love that. And one thing that I love about that too is, you know, because as someone who's actually experienced panic attacks herself, I can say it, it does sometimes feel like, like I said earlier, it does feel like your body is betraying you a little bit. And I think sometimes we leave things very surface level in terms of even in treatment, you will get taught it's just your brain. You know, it's just your mind. It's in your head. It's not, nothing's really happening. And, and I felt always very disempowered by hearing people say that. And, and I know people also in my life who have panic attacks and who have been through the paces in that sense with their therapist. By the way, I'm, to the listeners, I'm not saying don't go to therapy. I'm actually saying quite the opposite. I'm saying we all need to have people who are adept at what they do to help us go deeper into certain things and that it's much better to have someone who is qualified to help you go deeper. However, what I am saying is sometimes just leaving it at it's all in your head is not sufficient. No, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, yeah. it's so disempowering when you're told it's just in your head because then, and again, I, to agree with your point about not, um, not dissuading people from going to therapy. Therapy has saved my life. Therapy has been incredibly impactful in my own life. It's just that it wasn't enough. It, mm-hmm. it, didn't, it didn't 
solve all of my problems. But, um, well, I think it's important for us to give ourselves a chance to go more holistic in, in all aspects of life. Because absolutely. at the end of the day, like you and I said, or we were talking about earlier, everything is made up of light, vibration, and energy. So we have to address several different aspects of self in order to heal self. Just like you, I think therapy has saved my life and it's been instrumental in getting me to this point where I'm finally feeling how empowered and valuable I truly am. And it's taken years of that work, but I've also done inner work and I've done, you know, um, core wound healing and I've done inner child wounds and I've done yoga and I've done meditation. And so I just, I'm saying is it's good, but I think it's also good for all of us to remember to keep that open mind space of, yes, these are all tools and practices and techniques that we can use to help ourselves and to better ourselves. And they can work together in unison and harmony to help us get further in, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole spirit of the podcast to begin with. <laughs> Well, and I think it's important too that, you know, it's not just in your mind because your mind and your body are not, we're so, we're, we like to compartmentalize mm -hmm. and break things down into parts and pieces. And that's not the reality of life, right? Your mind and your body, the one, you know, the nice thing about, uh, you know, we're finally starting to recognize that, that there is no separation. There is no difference. Mm -hmm. What happens in one place happens in the other. And that's why, to your point, we do need this holistic approach because when you leave one thing completely off the table, which was my experience in doing years of therapy and never addressing any of the symptoms in my body, yeah. even though that's how most of them were actually presenting themselves, it just, it's, it's not effective and it doesn't, like you said, it's disempowering to feel like there must be something wrong with me and there must be something wrong with my body or with my mind that this keeps happening, even though I'm doing this thing that's supposed to make it better. Mm -hmm. And that's scary because then you feel turned against yourself. And that to me also can be very, not just disempowering, but it just, it's painful in a way that like, maybe I can't fully express verbally, but it just feels important for us to address that and say, Hey, do the work. And I think it's great that you get support and be with someone who's going to work with you, but don't forget you are a whole, you know, you are soul, body, mind, you're everything. You are all of these things. So addressing who you are and where you are in this point in time in different ways and in different sort of approaches is absolutely valid. And don't feel, don't get stuck in the idea that it's just all in your mind. Yes. And the thing, so my experience too, what I think, I think is so powerful about this idea, you've mentioned it a couple of times now of, of wanting to, to really befriend yourself. Mm-hmm. And to not, you know, when you end up feeling betrayed by yourself, what, so what happened for me, and this was before I found TRE, but earlier in my journey of trying to heal and feel as vibrant as I knew I possibly could, I, so, okay, let me back up. So I have celiac disease and that took me a long time to discover. And actually, for a long time, I was having symptoms of celiac disease that I was chalking up to anxiety because mm -hmm. for me, they actually present in very similar ways and they have a lot of crossover. And I sort of ignored, I ignored them for a long time. 
And it got to the point where the the saying, if you ignore your body when it whispers, you'll be forced to listen when it screams. Oh, that, yeah. That, that became my life, right? So my body started screaming at me and I knew I needed to do something. And so I got the diagnosis. I did all the changes that you need to do with celiac disease. I cleaned up my diet, changed my lifestyle, and I was still having symptoms. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I, I finally had this moment that I can only describe as like an awakening to love where I realized I was standing in my bathroom at the end of the evening. I just washed my face. I'm towel drying my face. I've got my hand holding the towel up, right? And the way that my brain works is I'm always thinking of, I'm always trying to get at the root. I always want to know the why. I was that, you know, I was that kid always raising their hand saying, but why, but why, but why? And so I was thinking about celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disorder. So I'm thinking about what autoimmune means. And it's literally that your body is attacking itself and your immune system gets confused about what's foreign and what is you. And it starts attacking you as though you are foreign and that creates havoc. And it can present in lots of different ways. And it hit me. And I can only describe, I mean, I literally fell to my knees. It was like one of those scenes that you see in a movie and you're like, that doesn't happen in real life. It does. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just broke into, like you said, ugly tears, just complete overwhelming crying. And I had this realization that I hated myself and that those thoughts, those subconscious programming thoughts of self-hatred fueling my symptoms and that it had not, I could take all the gluten out of my diet that there was, but until I changed that internal landscape, the symptoms would continue. And I think it's so important to remember that, that when we feel betrayed by our body and anyone who's dealt with an autoimmune disorder, I will speak for us all that you feel betrayed by yourself. Mm -hmm. And when we internalize that and we allow that to turn into self-sabotage, not just of our tissues, but of our mental landscape, our, our thoughts on this level are so powerful. They have the power to destroy ourselves. They also have the power to heal ourselves. That's the good news. But first you have to become aware of them, right? So back Again, this, I feel like this whole conversation just keeps circling on itself. I love it. It's back to this idea of self-awareness as such an important part of everybody's journey that when we can become aware of what those subconscious programming messages are that we're sending ourselves, we can then start to change them, right? I'm a firm believer that alteration follows awareness. Mm-hmm. And so when we can cultivate that awareness, then we can start to know what we need to change and we can go from there. And it makes such a difference. Yeah, it really does. It just changes everything. And it's important too, because I think we've actually been taught to not be aware. You know, I think we've put so much emphasis and so much significance on so many external things that that idea of self-awareness can even be seen as selfish, which is not. And it's so crucial in, in the healing of things. And you know what? I'm actually wondering, because I'm, I'm listening to all of this and I'm, I'm resonating back to that idea that we've been, you know, 
talking about this whole time that everything kind of flows in terms of energy vibration and light and i'm wondering if there are some like if you if you believe that there are that we were affected by these vibrations and energies and things without perhaps even noticing and how these wavelengths just to call them something how you think that they are impacted or how we are impacted by those energies within us without even knowing because i think that that is part of the awareness topic i think it's if we can acknowledge that there are all of these other factors that could be coming into play then we can say ah okay but let me take a moment to pause and become aware of what's actually going on here and explore deeper does that make sense yeah i mean i think that they completely resonate and affect us i mean the that whole like awakening to love experience i had taught me that right like i i sh on paper had no reason to be experiencing the symptoms that i still was and mm -hmm those vibrations that I was creating and delivering to myself absolutely kept me in this place of sickness. Mm. I, I totally believe that the vibration that you emit affects not only yourself, but then other people around you. I mean, anyone who's ever walked into a room and, and in, like had a gut check of like, oh, what's the matter? You know, like said to a, you know, said to someone, you know, like walked in and seen your partner and they don't even have to say anything. You just look at their face and you can tell that they've, you know, something's going on. Yeah. You're not reading the words. You're, that's a vibrational exchange that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the other reason that I'm so passionate about this stuff is because I really firmly believe that if you want to change the world, you start by changing yourself. Mm-hmm because you are the world, right? As above, so below. We are all microcosms of the macrocosm. When we can each individually become healthier, aware, regulated people, we all of a sudden start to have healthy, aware, regulated communities. I mean, look at just what's going on in the world today. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. <laughs> and I don't think it's, I don't think it's on accident. I think it's reflective of the collective individual messes that we all are and i think it's because for so long we haven't like you said you know self-awareness which again i think is a component of dynamic self-care it's seen as selfish it's not revered it's not expressed it's not encouraged and then we become so othered from everyone else rather than be able to you know a component of self-compassion is seeing common humanity mm -hmm. right so when you can recognize the behaviors that you have and where they come from and then change that vibration to be one of self-compassion what happens is that you actually start to be able to see that and extend that to others mm -hmm. so you start to be able to witness other beings go through behaviors and actions and you instead of taking them at face value might start to understand the why might start to understand that that isn't their best self that isn't their true self that they're acting from this place of knee-jerk trauma response in their own physical bodies mm -hmm. and start to have compassion for the way that they are when we lose that and we lose our humanity i mean read the news that's what ends up happening you know like we become so disconnected from one another and 
the results are disastrous. They're, mm. they're literally life-threatening to certain groups of people when we stop being connected to ourselves and then having the capacity to connect with others. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. And that, and I think that's part of it. I think it's part of the whole thing. Um, let me ask you to just to take us back a little bit into our original topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of your practices, are there any specific tools or techniques that are your like top three go-tos that you're like, oh, okay, if I really need to bring myself into a state of presence or if I really want to shake, um, like shake the dust off, right? What are some of the techniques that you would say are your go-tos? Well, I think the foundation, like I said, is nervous system literacy. So that to me is sort of the doorway to have self-awareness, self-compassion, and self-love, which I think are the three pillars of self-care. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sort of more like that's like a philosophical technique that you can use. I think on a practical basis, I think movement is incredibly important. I think breath work is incredibly important, mm-hmm. right? And breath work is inherently movement work. You can't breathe without moving. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to say it and you just have to go find a practitioner and learn it. But the TRE practice is really the thing that I use. It's really the way to sort of reground and recenter myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I don't think that it matters what self-regulation practice you find so long as you find something. And there's lots of different ones, right? There's listening to music. There's, you know, even um, like adult coloring books, which to my delight have seen a resurgence in the last 10 years. Like (laughs) that kind of thing can be a tool of self-regulation. One of, one of my favorite tools for self-regulation when I'm feeling anxious, I'll, I will say this and people laugh at me, but I'm a hundred percent serious is candy crush. Oh, mm -hmm. because, and at face value, people are like, what candy crush. And the reason is, is because it gets you out of your head. You become so focused on the thing at hand, the candies you're trying to connect and crush, you stop spinning, right? Anxiety for me is all, it's like airy, uplifted, anxious, like spinning energy that's all in my head, right? I float off of the ground. And when I can do these things that help reground and and literally pull me back down onto earth, it doesn't matter what they are. And Candy Crush is one of those that just it gets you out of that spinning energy. It gets you down. And then you can go, oh my God, what was, like, these are my anxious thoughts. Then you can start to look at the anxious thoughts from a, from a witness place instead of an mm-hmm. experience place. And mm-hmm. then you can start to have that perspective. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that because I call that the gentle observer. You know, I think a lot of times we spend our days and our hours more in the judgment um, slash, I don't know how to, condemning seats maybe. And that might sound a little bit harsh, but we do. I think we relate to ourselves and the world around us as, as very like critical. And we forget though, that if we're just very gently observing and we take ourselves out of that space, then we're able to be present with and create so much more healing than if we're just kind of you know, either self-flagellating or berating or going on about whatever other monkey mind idea comes up. Yeah. And for me, one of the big things, 
okay, I keep hammering this point, but this nervous system literacy, so literacy, so learning about when I'm in this state, this is how I feel. This is how mm-hmm. I respond. This is the way I can move myself out of it, right? You start to realize that, um, oh my gosh, I totally just lost my train of thought. That <laughs> just completely vanished from my head. <laughs> um, what was I saying? I don't know what the point was I was making there, except I'm obviously really excited about nervous system literacy. I really like saying it too. Uh, it's, it actually sounds really cool. And I was just going to ask you if you could go just, I mean, we're kind of running low on time, but if you could go a little more in depth about that, because going sure. back to my earlier point, <laughs> I think we do not always know how to feel things in our own bodies. And to me, what you're saying is speaking kind of really to the core of like, wait, can you feel this? And do you know where that goes? and all of that. Yeah. So it's just this idea of learning about the way that your body is designed to react. And so one of those, one of the key components and one of the biggest takeaways, if you get nothing else out of this interview, is everything that your nervous system does is in service of survival. So I'm going to say that one more time. Everything that your nervous system does is in service of survival. So that means that your body is reacting. It's constantly scanning your environment, external environment, internal environment. It's scanning both constantly. And it's looking for cues of safety to say, I am safe. I'm okay. I mean, I can stay in this nice, well-regulated space. It's also looking for cues of danger. What is a threat? What's going to be potentially harmful to me? What do I need? What situation do I need to get myself out of? Right? That's its job and that's what it's supposed to do. And it does that brilliantly. What can happen is that we can become stuck, right? In the same way that we talked about trauma can get stuck in your body. Mm -hmm. What that looks like is that your nervous system, the activation switch has been left on. And so you're constantly in a triggered state Mm -hmm. so that all of a sudden the world looks dangerous to you and then you respond from a place of needing to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. So here's an example. I have a young son. He's 19 months old and I adore him and he's also overwhelming, (laughs) (laughs) right? And this is so common that I hear about in you know, so I, I do a lot of works with mothers. That's a big passion of mine. And I hear this all the time. I yell, I just got so frustrated. I yelled at my kids. I must be a bad mom. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, no, it was probably, it wasn't that one, it wasn't the one time your kid whined at you and then you yelled. It was the accumulation of your day coming at you. And again, we don't take time, especially when you're a new mom, to be able to deactivate and decompress your system. So then you start to get overloaded. Your capacity to deal with stress is like a cup and it starts overflowing. And when it does, you yell at your kid. It isn't that you see them as dangerous. It's that that one more thing against your brain when you're already in this heightened state is enough to push you over. And that yelling is a way to discharge some of that energy. You're not a bad mom. You're an overwhelmed mom. Mm So what does that mean? It means next time before you get to that point, 
you can start to recognize, okay, these are the things that get me really wound up. These are the things that really push my buttons. So if I start to see those things happening, I can interrupt them and maybe I can go hide in the closet and breathe for three deep breaths, right? It's just something to dump that cup out a little bit before it overflows. What can I, how can I start to recognize the ways that my body, it's just trying to protect me. It doesn't know that that's not dangerous. How can I consciously change this outcome? How can I feel compassion for myself? That's why I yelled. It's not that I hate my kids. It's not that I'm a bad person. And then how can I change the narrative next time? And when you start to be able to look at these situations in your life through this lens, it opens up a whole new realm of possibility. It opens up a whole new way to judge yourself with more kindness, with more softness. It's just, it's just an easier, better feeling throughout your day when you can have that practice. It's so grace-filled. And I love it because I think we all do that in different little ways in our own lives, right? We we do let the sharpness get us a bit more reactive when the choice to be present and, and aware can help us be much more proactive. And I think that that's, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, mm-hmm. and if I can just add to that really quick, it, it's really, you can't be present fully when you're in an activated state. I don't, I think that they're mutually exclusive. I don't think you can be fully present and be in this totally triggered space. I think the way to stay out of that triggered space is to cultivate this presence when you're not in it, mm-hmm. but trying to have that, you know what I mean? Like you have to, ha- you have to increase that resiliency. In, it's, like, it's like when people tell anxious people that they just need to meditate. Yeah. Anyone who's ever dealt with anxiety and been given that advice and then tried it realized really quickly that it doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason because, again, back to this like idea of knowing how your nervous system works, your nervous system doesn't want to allow you presence. Presence is not needed for survival. You need the presence of focusing on the danger and being ready and alert for that. And not thinking about self-awareness, right? That doesn't, it's the same reason that like your digestion shuts down when you're in a fight or flight response, because that's secondary to surviving the moment. Your nervous system is brilliant, but it's also myopic. It doesn't see the peripherals. It sees just what's in front of it. And that's why when you can start to know that in a non-triggered state, you can start to change how that triggered state exists. I love that. That you can work with yourself. You can, again, befriend mm-hmm. your reactions rather than feel self-sabotaged by them, rather than get into this shame, you know, a shame cycle where you start then looping in your head. I yelled at my kids. I must be a bad mom. If I'm a bad mom, it means this and then this <laughs> and, then, and then rolling these thoughts over and over again then sends out these subconscious messages that you're disapproving of yourself, right? And to this point of vibration, you're sending out this, you know, you're disgusted with yourself, you're disapproving of yourself, you're hating yourself. And this is all perhaps happening subconsciously, but it's having an actual effect Mm -hmm. on your body, on your mind. And we don't want that. (laughs) Absolutely. 
Uh, Krista, I love all of this. This is just like, I'm just taking it all in because it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> well, if you could leave just the listeners with one message to help them fully step into their power and become uplifted, what would that be? Healing is possible and it's not as hard as you think. Cool. I, I just got chills. That's so oh, good. good. <laughs> That's awesome. And then last but not least, where can the listeners find you? And yeah, just, you know, your socials and all of that. Sure. So there's information on my website, which is uh, my name, kristagowan.com. I am on Instagram. I'm not as active on there, but it's at Inside Out Healing. And then the other place to really find me these days is in a Facebook community that I've started um, for people who identify as radical mothers, right? So these, we are the moms who know that in order to give our kids better lives, we have to give ourselves better lives first. And we're doing the work that it takes to disrupt cycles of inherited family trauma, do the work on ourselves while trying to parent small people and change the world that way. That's, that's our social activism is bettering ourselves, bettering the world. Um, so that's called the Radical Mother Project. If you are on Facebook and you go into the group setting and look for that, you can find that. There's also links to it on my website. Um, but there's some really great conversations happening over there. So I'd love to have you there if you that resonates and you identify as a mother, whether you have children or not, but kind of take on that maternal energy, then anyone is welcome in that space. Love it. Love it. Krista, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, <laughs> I say this every episode and I say it to every single guest, but I wish I, um, I hope that we can get together again and do it sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. This has been an amazing conversation. As you may have guessed, I love talking about this stuff. I could go on for a long time. So thank you so much. It was a great honor to be here with you. All right, everyone. I hope and trust that you enjoyed that interview. And as always, if you want to reach out to me, whether it's to ask questions or request I bring a specific guest back or just to share experiences of healing or anything else, you can always reach me via email at info at nourishingpaths.com. Yes, there is an S at the end of that paths. <laughs> and you can always reach me on Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. And if you like the show, then please subscribe and don't forget to leave a uplifting review and rating so that other people can find the show. And I will talk to you again next Monday. Have a beautiful, beautiful week.